Starting next week, we'll probably be back in our verse-by-verse. Not quite sure what book we're going to go out of yet. I want to read this quote to start us off by a guy named Wayne Mack. He says, The plain, unvarnished truth is that every one of us needs accountability that comes from formal, regular, intimate relationships with other godly people. So, accountability being obviously that you are answerable or accountable to other people. Um, This isn't really, this shouldn't be a foreign concept to any of us. Uh, We're all accountable in some way, form, or fashion, whether we admit it or not, even in just our daily life. You know, if you're married, you are accountable to your spouse, that you would be faithful, that you'd be supportive to them, that you'd be loving you know, with your parents, you are accountable that you should be respectful to them. Wish my kids were up here right now. Hear that one. Um, if you're employed, you are accountable to your employer to do what they have hired you to do. So we have accountability in our life, even if we're not even talking about the spiritual realm. We have accountability every day when we wake up. The reasons for being accountable, aside from our daily life, but when we're talking in church life, in our, in our spirit, we are held to a higher level, a higher standard than everyone else. We have the Spirit of God in us. We should act like it. Does anybody agree with that? I hope so. But you'll hear this. You'll hear, and you don't always hear it, but you'll know it when you do. But we have, but I have Jesus. I have Jesus. He's got my back. This is not an issue of a person's salvation, though it could be. But this is the issue of somebody thinking that grace will just keep abounding and they can take advantage of it over and over again and just spit in Christ's face. That's the mindset that's the worry here. That, yes, you've got Jesus Christ. He, yes, He absolves your sins. But if I know that I'm sinning and I'm doing something bad, as all sins are, and I just keep doing it day after day and going, oh, sorry, God. Oh, sorry, God. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. And people do this inside and outside of the body of Christ. Because, for the same reason, because they don't think they're going to be held accountable for it. It's the same reason for a believer or a non-believer. But we know that we have pending judgments on us all. We do. Scripture tells us these things. When we speak of the believer, we've talked of this verse before, and I've told you that it's one that kind of scares me a little bit. Because we are, that's the standard that we are held to. In Luke 12, 48, we talked about it what, maybe three or four months ago. But the one who did not know it and commits acts deserving of a beating will receive only a few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and to whom they entrusted much, Of him they will ask more. So 
So, it's saying we have partaken of the heavenly gift. We have the Spirit of God in us. We are held to a higher standard. We are expected to be held to a higher standard. <clears throat> For the non-believers, or people in the church who don't think that they're going to be held accountable, Psalm 10.13 lays it out very, very bluntly. Why has the wicked treated God disrespectfully? He has said to himself, you will not require, he will not require an account. God's not going to ask anything of me when I die. Right? That's the thought. God doesn't exist. I don't follow Him. Or, as we said, Jesus has absolved all my sins. I can do whatever I want. Those are the thoughts that, we're, that are putting people in trouble. Because all people, all people are going to be held accountable. When we die, when us believers die, we will be held accountable. Paul says that in Romans. If you haven't read Romans in a long time, you need to read Romans. But in Romans 14, 10-12, it says, and it's speaking of judgment, but it says, As for you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you as well, why do you regard your brother and sister with contempt? For we will all appear, this is going to believers, we will all appear before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord to me, every knee will bow and every tongue will praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is not saying, oh, you're not saved. This is saying what you've done while you are saved will be accounted for. The way that you have acted in this life will be accounted for. And we know how the opposite works for the unbeliever. I don't think that I necessarily have to have to cover that, but they are all held accountable. So we, believe it or not, held accountable to God whether we like it or not. We don't make the rules. And we said that accountability is not foreign to us. We experience it every day of our life, and we experience it every day of our spiritual life. <clears throat> accountability is so important to God for us that even the things that we say are held to a higher standard. Have you ever read much about the tongue? The way it talks about it in Scripture? I want to read from James real quick. We have scriptural references in this today because I just think that they, they make a lot more sense than me trying to come up with something. In James 3, 5-11, it talks of the tongue. Okay, so this is we're talking to other Christians. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, and the very world of unrighteousness. And the tongue is set among our body parts, is that which defiles the whole body, and sets, the fire, sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of birds, of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. And here's a, the important part. We've done all those, those things, but no one among mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring send out the same from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? So what it's saying here is that we cannot tame our tongue. But that's not saying what God can or cannot do. God can do anything. So when we live in the Spirit, we can tame the tongue. But that's the key, living in the Spirit of God. Living in relationship with God. Otherwise, everything that we've blotted out, that we spit out of our mouth, we are held accounted for. And we can do a lot of damage with what we say. Probably more damage than what we can do physically. <clears throat> so this is where the accountability comes in. Because we, God has said that we are ultimately all accountable to Him. But we are not alone. We're not alone on this earth. We're not alone in this journey. We have other godly people with us. And if we'd like, we can hold each other accountable a little more. Because God uses godly people to help other godly people. There's nothing wrong with that. So if we want to be if you want to be useful in the body of Christ in this manner, I just want you to consider a couple things when we talk about 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 being this kind of a partner for a person, okay? Psalm 29:23 says a a person's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. So pride we have to throw away our pride when we're doing something like this because it is going to interfere with how you call a fellow brother or sister into repentance. If we have pride, it's going to also interfere with what? If we are being called out on something. And you'll know it because sometimes you get called out for something and right away... What? No, I don't. You get mad. You think, who are they? Right? That's that pride swelling up. I've felt it. Most certainly. So pride interferes with this. We have to get rid of that in order to adequately be able to be a good partner for somebody in this type of endeavor. Because what are we doing when we call out somebody's transgressions, somebody's sins? Are we pointing a finger? Are we coming from that high position of look what they're doing that I don't? Right? Or do we see somebody who is straying off the path and do, does it sadden us? Do we say, well, I want to help you, brother or sister. This is what you're doing. Open your eyes. You're not seeing this. There's a difference. Because <clears throat> we all still sin, we all will sin, and that's the point of this. But we have to be able to help each other remember Christ's redemptive power in our life. Because we can always, and you see it all the time, you can see people choose to ignore that. So, also, when we are holding people accountable... We have to 
have to do this in a loving manner. That's the only way to do it. The only way to do it. That's the way that we're supposed to treat our brothers and sisters anyways, is in a loving manner. Because what we're doing is so beneficial for each other and is part of the sanctification process. Because we're not doing it. The Spirit is working through us. This is all part of God's, journey, God's plan for our journey through this life. It's all God's will. So, if God has made it possible for us to have an accountability partner, if we want it, then He is working in your life in this aspect. His Spirit in you, His Spirit in the other person, another child of God, because He doesn't want us to be wallowing around in the mud. And that's very easy to do nowadays. You see how, how sin is openly accepted in most parts of society now. So if God is, is moving and is speaking in your life in this way, it's good to listen. God is putting good company around you for a reason. And good company will not corrupt your morals the way the opposite will, right? If you're walking in a, in a, in a congregation of believers, there's going to be a difference in your life versus walking in a group of sinful, rebellious, unbelieving people. It's going to affect you differently, vastly differently. And you will feel alone in the latter group. And we are not alone. <clears throat> so, accountability just reminds us that, that we are, as we are slaves to Christ, that we are to live that godly life that we talked about, that we are living in the Spirit, that we are sharing the Gospel, that we love our God, that we love our neighbors, and that we are that city set on a hill. Because everyone is watching us. You may not think everybody's watching you, but everybody is watching us. People look at those people who are Christians to see how this Christ really affects them. Have they changed? Are they doing something different? Or is it just a bunch of baloney? People are watching. So I encourage everyone, because I had never really thought about it much before, but it, in theory it seems like a great idea, and maybe this is something you've talked about in the past. But I do encourage everyone to find an accountability partner. Somebody who you can just call up, people who you trust, probably outside of your household, because it's a little easier maybe. But keep these these qualifiers in mind if this is something that you feel is a good idea for you. Okay, keep these in keep these in mind. Don't be unequally yoked with someone. So, if I want Dave to be my accountability partner and Dave says, "I'm not even a Christian." Probably a bad idea. He's not going to keep me accountable for the things that we're looking for here. So go to another Christian. We can't, it's, you can't do this with a non-believer. It doesn't work. This person should be trustworthy because you are going to share things with them that you might not want to share. You're going to open up to this person. 
So you have to be able to trust them. And they should be brave. And what, what do I mean by that? I mean, they should be brave as well in the same way that you would be. Because it takes a little bit of bravery. It takes a little bit of guts to share something with somebody. To say, you know, I'm falling a little... I think I might be falling a little short on this. What do you think? That's really opening yourself up to somebody. This person, whoever you decide to choose if you do, should know the Word of God. They should know, they should be somebody who is knowledgeable in the Word of God, somebody who has a spiritual relationship with the Lord, because otherwise, what do they have to offer in return to you? And this is somebody who should definitely understand the forgiveness of God. The forgiveness. Because yes, we're going to sin. And when we come to repentance with God, guess what? We know that He forgives us. So this person should know that as well. They're not there to hammer down on you. And they sin just as you do. So, And this is somebody who should help us if we need it, to focus on Christ and what He did for us on the cross. Okay, That if we confess our sins, that He blots them out. And that we never lose sight of the love that He has for us because that's what matters most here. So, if you already have someone in your life that does this with you, then I, I commend you because um, it's not really anything that I had ever given a whole lot of thought to before. But I could see where it could be beneficial. Um, and if you do have that already, you're a step ahead of me. So good, good, good on that. But if you don't, um, not saying that you, that you have to do it, not saying that you need to do it, that's up to you and that's between you and God on if you need this in your life and God will tell you if you do. So it's something to prayerfully consider just between you and God.